See yourself become glorious. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious. And I will defend. I will defend. That's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. No! No! What are you doing? Getting a life. Hello everyone and welcome to the 1UP Culture Cast, your source of knowledge for levelling up in the world of popular culture. My name is Trent and with me is my co-pilot Jarrah. Hey guys, uh, today we continue our series on Firefly. So we've got part two today. If you missed part one, we uh, covered the first three episodes and I suggest you go check those ones out before we keep going here. But uh, today we're going to be covering the next four, which are Shindig, Safe, Our Mrs. Reynolds and Janestown. And just like last time, uh, we will be issuing a spoiler warning. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Go out listen to it now. Uh, we will be covering it in depth, so if you didn't want anything spoiled, now's your chance to leave. Okay, so we're going to start off with episode 4, which is entitled Chindig. Uh, and just to give you a quick, uh, quick rundown of what that was about again, uh, Inara is attending a formal society dance, only to find Malcolm there as well, attempting to set up a smuggling job. Now comes to blow with Inara's conceited date and finds himself facing a duel with a renowned swordsman and only one night to learn how to fence. Drama ensues. Yes, it does. Uh, that was Atherton Wing, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah, Atherton yeah. Wing is uh, Inara's date at this time. She picks him uh, as she's coming down to the planet. Uh, got a couple options. One guy who unfortunately reminds uh, me very much of myself if I was trying to win a date, especially with Marina Bakaran. Uh, fumbles and... Uh, would, would have his honour honoured or something along those lines if yeah. Inara would... Uh, you would honour my honour. Yes. If you... <laughs> uh, and very promptly Inara goes, nope, next. Which uh, is particularly brutal because I realised after the first couple of watches that he's live. That's not a recorded yeah. message. Which, okay, if you recorded, uh, you would do my honour, honour kind of thing. Why would prob- you have sent that, really? Yeah, I mean, like we have done multiple takes trying to get this intro down. Pat, we didn't just go with the first one we had, which is why we're not live. Um, but yeah, he fumbles it live, blows his chance at a beautiful uh, companion, uh, and gives the opportunity up to Atherton Wing, who is smooth as anything. He is. He is very smooth. He's also, uh, we, we find out that he's one of Anara's uh, previous companions, uh, partners. I'm not sure how what the name is around the other way. Paying clients. Paying client, yeah. And yeah, so she goes uh, down to the planet, and there's a big to-do on, which uh, Atherton invites her to. Um, and Malcolm gets there as well, although his path is a little bit different. Um, he goes down to the planet, uh, basically f- comes across Badger. Basically, they work out a little bit of a deal. Badger has uh, an opportunity, a job opportunity for him, uh, but he can't do it himself because Badger and this particular fellow doesn't really get along. But he feels that Malcolm is going to suit that quite well. Yeah, um, yeah. This is the uh, second time we see Badger in the series. The first time was in uh, Serenity, the, the series uh, pilot where he wouldn't buy the uh, the gold that was stamped with the Alliance uh, stamp. Food. Um, sorry? The food, food. sorry. Uh, they always look like gold. I know, right? Always, Every yeah. time I see it, it's like, that, that's not edible. Every time, but yes, it was. they were food rations, uh, which is probably more important <laughs> um, if you're trying to survive in space. Um, so yeah, Jane and, uh, and Malcolm are down there, and, and they meet up, and uh, 
you know, they kind of have a bit of a witty back and forth. And Jane actually finally says something kind of smart and, and Malcolm you know, gives him a bit of recognition. We find out here that uh, Badger is trying to get Malcolm to go to this this fancy hoo-ha to uh, get his product off of off planet. Um, won't deal with Badger because he's a bit of a reputable sport sort. Th- this is how we, we, we get Malcolm to the, to the same dance. Um, and a little bit before this, we've got uh, the rest of the crew uh, along with... Uh, Malcolm and Jane on their way to their meeting and uh, Kaylee Bay sees uh, yes I said Kaylee Bay sees uh, an awful it's it, it's awful an awful dress it's a pink layered looks, it looks like a cake yeah it, yeah that she falls in love with and uh, Malcolm pretty much says that she'd look like a sheep walking on its hind legs in that thing it, it's the first of like there's a couple episodes in a row here where Kaylee Bay just kind of gets hammered with insults either direct or indirect uh, yeah. at the cause of a couple of the guys on the ship uh the first time it's malcolm the captain uh, later on we sort of get the burgeoning of a uh, the romantic simon, tension yeah. with her and simon uh but malcolm really just throws everything out the window there um, and they're and all having a scene, bit of fun and then boom. yeah and, and malcolm was in a bit of a bad mood because he'd kind of been burnt by uh, anara a little bit earlier which there's also a bit of a budding romance there mm. and um yeah, the, the relationship between Malcolm and Anara is actually really important in this episode and is kind of what this one's centralised around. He's in love with her, basically. <laughs> but Aww. we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So we've got uh, the whole crew down on down on the planet. They've got back onto the ship. Anara's gone off with Atherton to this wonderful ball. Um, floating chandeliers. Floating chandeliers. We've got... Uh, and, and Kaylee gets to go. She gets to wear her pretty dress... Um, that Malcolm buys, which looks awful, but she has to wear this. And we see them entering the ballroom, and, and once again we get a little bit of that cross between the futuristic and the classical. So we've got like a classical ballroom, but a floating chandelier. And uh, as everyone walks in, they're kind of just scanned like an X-ray for uh, weapons. We actually see one guy is trying to get a weapon in. And I, I do have to correct you. Kaylee Bay didn't actually go to this formal to do. It wasn't her. It was actually. Uh, Miss K. Winnet Lee Fry and Escort, as it was. Oh, well done. Yes. Well done. I, uh, that totally I, wasn't researched just before doing this uh, podcast. Of course it was. Like, uh, how, why would you know that off, off the top of your head? But, um, I mean, this is, this is a fun episode. It is definitely uh, an Ara and Mao Central episode. Uh, we also do get quite a bit of Kaylee Bay in this. Uh, we get to see her interacting with you know, a couple of the, the girls at the party as well, a couple of the guys... And really sort of establishing who she is as a woman and the kind of person she is. You know, she's just optimistic. She gets burnt a bit by a couple of the, the fancy girls yeah. who proceed to get roasted by this guy, um, yeah. basically calling one of them a whore. Yeah, pretty um, much comes up and says it must have taken you know, 20,000 slaves uh, your weeks to get you into that uh, into that dress. She's like, oh, thank you. Saying that she looked quite nice. And then and he goes, uh, but from what I've heard, it takes less than a schoolboy's wink to get you out of it. And that just shuts her right up. And Kaylee Bates' face lights up lights in response. Right um, I, I really like, in this particular episode, there's a couple of uh, one-off characters who are quite prominent. We've got uh, Warwick Harris, who is... No, not Harris, I don't think. Warwick, Warwick Harrow, sorry. Yeah. Um, is sort of the Lord Warwick Harrow. Um, the sash indicates lordship, uh, which Malcolm didn't realise at first. Uh, and then we also have Afton Wing. Now, these guys, they're only in this particular episode... 
Uh, but they add so much to it. Um, yeah, fantastically yeah. acted. Atherton is so brilliant as this sort of basically douchebag. Pompous, um, arrogant, rich, spoiled, every kind of stereotype you can think of. Yeah, playing off to, you know, Inara is given the offer to basically become his permanent companion. Uh, and it is something that she considers because it is a life that she would be interested in. Um, it's a bit of, I guess, job security. And, yeah, it's like, well, do I, do I, do I not? And Malcolm basically gets him to show his true colours a bit. Um, yeah, so, you know, yeah, Malcolm kind and... of taunts him a little bit. So uh, this is where we, we kind of see the, the relationship between Malcolm and Inara within this episode kind of kind of start to show a little bit more when you know they're, they're kind of talking at at the ball and uh and malcolm goes up to atherton and says you know i've been told of your your uh, great generosity and i'm sure having knowing that you would let me cut in here and uh, nara and malcolm go off and they have their little dance and their little chat and um and when, when we come back we we have yeah malcolm kind of taunts atherton and, and to the point where atherton hits him as you know, we have, sorry, other way around. Until, yeah, it is a bit back and forth. Um, yeah, um, it's a bit back and forth. Show until, dominance and basically, yeah, you know, it has Anara a fairly firm grip on her arm, and implies that she's a whore. That and she, that, that he owns. Yeah, yeah, that that money has changed hands, and therefore he owns her for for this time. Mm. Yeah. And he gets a swift right hand to the face as, as a result. Um, yeah, yeah, basically that right hand gets him in trouble. And this is one of those episodes that really shows who Malcolm is as a person because we sort of get this build-up where, you know, his big mouth gets him into trouble, which isn't unusual, but this no. episode really sort of shows that. And then to get out of it, he kind of has to use his wits and cunning because he is outmatched in a certain area. Um, in On this particular planet, uh, basically punching someone is invitation to a duel, and a duel which the person who gets punched gets to decide how it goes about. So Malcolm gives him a right hand, gets told, you know, a fight's basically going to happen. He's like, sweet, you know, let's, you know, get ready. No, no, it's not like that. The duel will be in the morning. And he thinks, okay, well, duels, pistols, I'm pretty good with that. No, it's swords. Hmm. Um, and, and judging by Malcolm's reaction, and also Zoe's when she hears about it on the ship after, uh, Malcolm maybe hasn't really used a sword before. Yeah. Although he knows which end to hold, which admittedly is a good start. It is a good start. Um, and we find out at this point that Atherton is quite proficient with a sword killed a dozen men with a sword and however malcolm's the first one to give him a reason yes um and and it's really kind of shown at this point yeah he's in trouble and so badger finds out about it and goes to serenity where everyone's sort of just waiting for the the night to finish uh and keeps them prisoner basically because he doesn't want his reputable you know demeanor to be sullied by them trying to get malcolm out of trouble um Uh, and and this is uh, one of those times we see Malcolm gets in a bit of trouble with his mouth not unusual however he doesn't run um, Anara comes to his room a little bit later with a sword and, and you know a way out basically says you know that we've got the back door and we can just run and Malcolm says he won't you know I don't run from a fight and Anara says well, you have plenty of times what are you talking about says, well, I'm not running from this one and we kind of see that he, he feels like he's kind of fighting for her honour and she doesn't want him to be um, and, and this is the point where we, we kind of have that very important point earlier where Malcolm punches Atherton um, because Anara says, you know, you, you, know you, you outright call me a whore and then if somebody else implies it, you punch them in the face and, and it's kind of an Im- interesting point that, uh, yeah, Malcolm gets so defensive over that. It's a real interesting dynamic. He sort of argues that, you know, they were insulting her as a person as opposed to her job, whereas that's what he's doing. He's insulting her job. Um, 
obviously it's kind of hiding his true feelings for her. Uh, but it is fascinating to see how that dynamic plays out. And really, there's a scene where she's in his room. He's trying to practice. They have a bit of sword play back and forth. Yeah, as he's trying to learn what to do. He's swinging from the shoulder the whole time. She's trying to teach him to mix things up. But it's a it's a brilliantly acted scene. Like you really get to see these two characters at work. Yeah, you um, do. Yeah, it, it's a Malcolm and Anara episode, and this is kind of the scene that defines them and that relationship within there. It, it's it's just this is definitely one of the stronger episodes. I think it is one which focuses more exclusively just on a couple of characters, but it's done so well, and everyone still gets a little bit of time to shine. You've got yeah, you know, while they're on the ship trying to work out what are we going to do while Badger's here, you've got Jane suggesting that Zoe gets naked. And when they deny that, he goes, well, I could get naked. And it just these little moments within the story that even though this isn't a Jane episode or it isn't a Zoe episode or something like that, you're still getting enough of the character that if you are a fan of a particular character first and foremost, like, well, I'll still watch Shindig because I get that moment or I get yeah. this part of the character, which is something Firefly does pretty well. Um, there are a few episodes they where they always have the characters that. doing something. It's just yeah. whether or not it's really that important. And there's generally a moment or two that you can look at and go, I like that. Yeah. with those characters uh this episode also contains one of my personal favorite moments in the series uh, so much so that i've actually got the timing of it marked it is where is it 24 minutes into the episode uh 32 minutes sorry where river comes into play this is really the first time we see her uh, and she imitates badger now if you, you watch the series you know what badger's all about he's got a particular accent and summer glow as river delivers these just brilliantly like Every time I watch this episode, I kind of have to rewind and watch it again because it's just so hilarious. I love Come on, it. are you going to give it to us? Are you going to, are you going to give the listeners a little bit of an impression? Okay, so if you've watched our first uh, episode where we are talking about Firefly, you know I can't do accents. I tried to do <laughs> Niska, uh, unprepared tried to do Niska and regretted it greatly. So I, I, the actor in me just needs a moment to uh, settle myself. Yeah, yeah so you just you know, have to do a couple of breathing exercises, get down everything. <clears throat> sad little king on a sad little hill. Pacey with delusions of standing. <laughs> okay, and now I will put in here what it is actually supposed to sound like. Petty thief with delusions of standing. Sad little king of a sad little hill. I can't tell the difference, honestly. No, it's it's pretty much identical, buddy. Yeah, I, I can easily play, uh, you know... a. a near schoolgirl kind of base character who's a little bit crazy and a little bit psychic yeah so uh if you want to hire me for any voice acting Don't. uh just, just contact us at one up culture i can do badger i can do river i can do niska yeah thankfully there's not too many more accents in this series for oh, me to thank, try and butcher goodness <laughs> although we do have another uh, niska episode coming up so i've got we time do. to practice my uh, niska accent so get ready for that one uh so yeah basically you know it comes to morning and you've got the fight uh, and you basically, uh, Malcolm does his best. Uh, he's hopelessly outmatched. Uh, Atherton's kind of playing with him a bit, sets him up for a, a stupid little, you know, move that Malcolm does, and he gets, you know, pierced. stabbed. Yeah. yeah, stabbed in the gut. And then Atherton proceeds to wallop him and make him look like a fool, but doesn't beat him full on. I don't know the rules of sword fighting in that particular planet or any planet. I've never used a sword myself. I've barely thrown a punch in my life. But, you know, it, to me it looked like Atherton, for all intents and purposes, had won. And Anara basically distracts Atherton. I'm not sure whether she did it with the intention that Malcolm would come back or whether it was literally begging for his life. But she offers to be his permanent companion. While he's kind of thinking about it, Malcolm gets the better of him, knocks him down, has him 
basically at the breath of the sword. And he shows how good of a man he is by only stabbing him three times lightly before walking away. Yeah, yeah, which, which I thought was, was nice. He didn't have to. He no. didn't have to stab him at all. But it was funny. But it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to agree with Malcolm there. And we all agree so. it was quite funny. Yeah. And, and throughout the course of this, uh, Malcolm kind of proves himself to Warwick, uh, who says, yes, you can take on my cargo. Uh, we didn't know up until the very end of the episode what the cargo was exactly. We just knew it needed to be transported off-world. It's cattle. Yeah. A whole mess of cows. A whole lot of cows. Yeah. On a spaceship. Mm. End of episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you get that little moment with Malcolm and Anar at the very end talking and it sort of slowly pans out to see all the cows. Overall, I thought it was a really good episode. I enjoyed it. What, what did you think about Shindig? Yeah, I th- it was... See, we've ha- kind of had this over the last few episodes that each of them is kind of a different genre of movie in an episode. So we've kind of had the horror movie uh, episode where, you know, they, they've come across the Reavers ship and we've had you know, your classic Western tale with the train robbery. And yeah, so this one, we, we kind of go to the Victorian, you know, the English Count of Monte Cristo's and yeah, Three Musketeers, uh, th- those kind of buccaneer adventure movies. And, and it was fun. Yeah, it was a heap of fun and it was very stylized, big, impressive, uh, and, and it worked well. Yeah, it's a good character piece overall. You get a lot about Malcolm and Nara, and, and their relationship is front and centre through a lot of the, the series, basically. The other thing about Chindig, which is kind of unusual, is it ties in directly to the next episode. A lot of these Firefly episodes, even though you can view them out of order, thank you, Fox. Um, yeah, you this, have to view them out of order. Yeah, thank you, thank Fox. You Fox. This particular one uh, is directly interconnected with Safe because you finish with the cattle on the ship at the end of Shindig and at the start of episode 5, Safe, they're delivering the cows. So uh, if you're ready, I think we'll jump on to episode 5. Yeah, yeah, I haven't got anything else for Shindig. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so just as a reminder, episode 5 is Safe. Uh, Mal must choose which crew members to save when one is gravely wounded and two others are kidnapped. Uh, Simon finds an uneasy haven in a remote village, but River's uncanny perceptions jeopardise the Tam's temporary safety. Um, so, I mean, this one is directly connected to Shindig, yeah. but it starts off with a flashback. Um, and this is, again, uh, similar to Bushwhack, but even more so. This episode is very much focused on the dynamic between uh, Simon and River. Yeah, um, yeah. And in the flashback, we get probably one of the more famous people in this series, <laughs> uh, believe it or not, playing just a one-off role as young Simon, a certain Zac Efron. Who does a good job? Like yeah. you, you watch him, and it's like, yeah, you buy him as young yeah, Simon. No, um, you, you buy both of them actually, not mm. not just him. The two of them, you you like, yeah, that they, they could grow up to be Simon and River, and it, it's a really nice to see them before the whole thing with River uh, being taken off because we don't really get to see a lot of what River was like when she was just a normal girl. You know, she we we get told that she was quite smart, but we don't know. And, and in this, we see that kind of playful side. And it kind of explains to us why River is so kind of playful now, because she pretty much just had a childhood and then cut off. And that's her personality. And you that, know, that we is see her that kind of yeah. fun, loving, you know, playful side of her, you know, bringing dinosaurs into the uh, Alliance War. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it, it was very, very good for establishing those two and the connection between those two. Mm. And also brings in their father, mm. their parents in this one, which was kind of interesting. It leads the question, what were they doing while this whole thing was happening with River? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean there's a lot of sort of discussion on the internet. And you've actually mentioned you thought about this as you were watching it too. Uh, the common sort of what is presented is that uh, Simon River's parents are fairly... They're, they're smart, but they're also ignorant to what's actually going on with River. She goes to this school, this alliance-funded school, and, you know, as they're experimenting on her, 
uh, Simon sort of sees clues in some of the notes and letters that he, she's sending to them. Uh, and he's trying to show his parents, it's like, she's trying to tell us something. And they're just kind of laughing off and, oh, this is just a game she plays. And I thought River would be the one struggling without you. But look here, you are struggling. And that's kind of presented them just being ignorant and, you know, maybe lost in their own world of high classness. Uh, but there is a theory online you've sort of mentioned as well that maybe the parents were in on it a bit. Yeah, awful thing to think of. That maybe the parents knew that what was happening to their child, mm. but um, also you know it may have been a situation that the alliance, you know, the government was just too powerful. You know, there was nothing they could do about it. But uh, yeah, no, there's been quite a lot of theories about that. Yeah, we, we don't know from. like how knowledgeable they were on her psychic capabilities because that's basically, you know, the alliance want that side of her, and you know maybe the parents knew and like. We don't know how to handle a psychic child. Alliance, just do whatever. We've got our rich Dr. Simon. You yeah. Know? And because yeah. even even when young Zac Efron, Simon, uh, it's clear that the father wants him to become a brilliant doctor, mm. um, which, you know, would put a lot of pressure on a kid. You don't know what kind of stuff they're going through. Um, I, I never grew up with my parents thinking I'd become a doctor because they knew I was no way smart enough for something like that. Ow. Well, they didn't say that. I'm just, you know, it's quite logical. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so here I am, you know, reviewing popular culture via podcast. It's a, it's a really no doctorate, no doctorate in this, no. Oh. Um, although I, I can say I did study popular culture in university, um, because that's why you go to uni for, isn't it? <laughs> totally. And to get cheap trips to Japan. But... Shout out to Craig Norris if he's listening. <laughs> so we've sort of seen this establishment of uh, Simon and River as they are as a kids, and that's important coming into the rest of the episode. But kicking into the episode proper. They land on this new planet. Uh, Malcolm and the crew have a deal set up with a couple of guys down there. So they're unloading the cattle. They've sort of got a little pen for everything. Jane's having fun whipping them, as he says. Yeah, I, I like to smack them. Yeah, um, and he does many times throughout oh, this many first five minutes. Like I'd, I'd hate to have a like counter to on that, but I feel like it's nearly in the double digits. Yeah. Um, but And also, we get River, who didn't interact with the cows at all while she was on the ship, interacting with him now. And again, this is a fun little scene with River in an already River-centric episode, really. Uh, yeah, it sort of mentions that the cows weren't cows while on the ship and now they see Sky, they remember who they are which is one of those sort of lines you listen to it's like, oh, crazy river but it does kind of it make sense, sense. Yeah. yeah, you know cows are meant to be on the land they're not meant to be flying you know, way up in a spaceship Yeah, um, yeah. no one is really uh, but yeah, it's sci-fi so you have fun with it <laughs> um, but anyway, so what happens is while they're trying to sell off these cows they're negotiating and the cops sort of come along and there's a bit of a scuffle and while everything gets sorted out uh, one of the crew members gets shot uh, and shot oh. pretty bad you know it's a good sort of placement around the heart area yeah, um, yeah, right, right everyone's right. favourite pastor and shepherd shepherd book oh. is down in need of a pastor or a shepherd, incidentally. He is. Um, and um, also in actual in, fact, what he's really in need of is a doctor. Yeah, which, it's great. Simon's a doctor. Yeah, he's that, part of Serenity. Yeah. There's not an issue there, but wait, isn't there an issue? Because Simon's not on the ship, nor is Simon with the group on the herd. No. Because Simon and River went to town, Yeah. Um, which everyone knew about. It's not like they snuck off, but uh, yeah, they, they went to town. And while there, we get uh, another little 
Simon Kaylee moment, uh, and and these two kind of got a bit of a budding romance at this point. In it, it's the, very early on. In, it's very one sided though. Simon's pretty much oblivious that Kaylee has any feelings towards him, and uh, we, we're all very jealous of Simon on yeah, this podcast. We are very jealous of this, and so this scene starts with Anara and Kaylee in a little knickknack store having a conversation about how Kaylee likes Simon. Ooh. Then Simon and River come in, and we see another little chain. I, I guess y- y- you see where si- Simon's come from a different uh, class. He, he doesn't know all of the things that are around him. Um, he walks up to a post hole digger, and, and he doesn't know what that is, and he tells River that. It's dangerous and dirty and sharp it's a i don't know what it is and kaylee tells him what it is and and we, and we kind of get a little bit of a glimpse into the fact that yeah he hasn't really roughed it in his life yeah which you know we saw from the flashback earlier he was in quite a nice house quite a nice stead mm. kaylee picks up this little plate and she says oh this this might be nice and simon picks it up and looks at it and goes oh they're actually charging money for this kind of thing yeah that, that's stupid and kaylee's kind of like oh a little bit hurt yeah, it plays the typical kind of oh yeah it's, it's silly that they you know selling that and you can tell that she's like oh that was close because you know she's gonna buy it for him and uh hmm. we i can't even say it man because it's happened over the last few episodes as well yeah simon uh this is the first of many occasions uh, where he more or less digs oblivious. a hole for himself so oblivious uh, he doesn't need a post hole for this he just digs his own hole yeah. Basically, you know, he's talking about where he's come from and, you know, he's living out on the edge of this sort of place and in the process basically shoots down Serenity, which if there's anything you're going to do with Kaylee Bay, uh, you don't do that. She's very connected to Serenity. That's that's her basically thing. And says one thing which just gets him in a whole no. mess of trouble with her. What did he call it? He called uh, Serenity... Losara or something. Losa, it, it's, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's a Chinese... It's, part of the Chinese they use I'm not Lhasa that's it Lhasa yeah Lhasa yeah, yeah I'm not I'm not 100% familiar I don't speak Mandarin um, no I barely speak English but this is another thing that we kind of like with the the Firefly series that they've kind of integrated Chinese every now and again into just language yeah it, they're sort kind of, of the doing a bit of world language. building the, the alliance is meant to be uh, basically the American and the Chinese coming together uh, you also get a bit of criticism for Firefly not representing the Asian side really uh, all most of the characters are Caucasian. Kaylee was originally meant to be Asian, but then you know Jewel State came along and basically did a great Kaylee Bay, and they had to use her. And you see little elements like the, the surname Tam is an Asian yeah. name, but unfortunately in season one you don't get a lot of Asian influence outside of just peppering. Up I'm the sure language. season two is going to be full of. Oh yeah, season two, three, season four. Two there's going to be a massive side yeah, arc in that. And thank you, Fox. Thanks, Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, Simon you know, pisses off Kaylee for the first of many times and in the process you know, loses River a little bit, finds her at a little kind of a parade, a party that the it's town like folk are having. Everyone's dancing around. Yeah, and, and this is a chance for Summer Glau, the actress, to show off her acti- uh, acting background. Her acting background and also her dancing background. Yes, um, uh, Summer Glau, she has classical training. She's a, a ballet dancer and it's actually part of how she got the job because mm. of how she moves uh, was what they wanted from, from River yeah. to be kind of graceful. And so, yeah, we see Summer Glau kind of... I think... I feel like they just kind of threw out there and said, go loose. Like, she just feels like she's just letting it out, you know, having yeah. a bit of fun, dancing around um, joyfully. So, um, yeah, we see a little bit of Summer Glau's dance experience mm. there. And then they get kidnapped. Yeah. Um, which is the issue for Book, who is shot and in need of a doctor. Turns out there's also another town area of the town which is also in need of a doctor and this is kind of a you know how would you Salem 
Yeah, basically. It's a, it's a little sort of offshoot town, very religious sort of folk. What they do is, you know, they go into town, it's like, we need a doctor, there's a doctor, kidnap. We need a chef, there's a chef, kidnap. Yeah. Um, I need a wife, there's a potential wife, kidnap. Wait, you can't just do that? Well, you can, just not legally or morally. Um, you kind of frowned upon. Um, huh. Do you want to let them out? Yeah, we'll finish this first. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, Simon being a doctor, like he does want to help the town folk. Yeah. And, you know, they are in need of a doctor, so he's doing his best and doing a good job. And this is one of the first times we really get to see Simon in control and confident himself as a doctor. And we see this a little bit later on as well. Uh, Ariel is a brilliant episode for this, but it's our first real look at Simon as a doctor and in control of himself because we haven't really had that before. Yeah, well, up to this point, he's kind of been a bit of a scaredy cat character mm. he, he's always been out of his element in this whole space exploration gunfighting and the second you put him you know in a, in a setting he knows you know with medical and surgical equipment he's yeah he's yeah there's mystical. really two times when you know simon the confident simon shows up that's a when he needs to be a doctor and b when river's in trouble um he'll go to great lengths to ensure that river is safe uh, we see that in the pilot when he throws himself off a balcony basically to stop the person kidnapping yeah. her uh, we see that here as well. Um, and it, it's a great... This whole episode's a great Simon River dynamic episode. More so than probably anyone else, but we do get quite a bit on Shepherd Book as well because, you know, while he is shot, Zoe's doing his best to help her, help him, they don't have the medical know-how to fix him properly. And if they don't sort something out, he's going to die. So basically, Malcolm's left with a decision. Do they try and find Simon and River and potentially risk Booker, uh, Booker dying? Or do they try and save book by hook or by crook? Um, my rap career is yeah, also well you, on the way. You guys can't see this, but he was really pleased with that rhyme. It's not even pre-written. That's a freestyle rhyme. Right there, there were like five-year-olds that weren't happy with that. That mm. were like, I could have rhymed that. Yeah. My, my game is strong. Um, and so it's, but did I save book and leave River and Simon to be stranded? We know Jane would rather save book. Uh, he's quite vocal about it. But at the end, they do leave the planet. And we sort of get this moment where Serenity is flying off. And you even described it as Serenity having a one-liner. Yeah, well, through this whole series, we've had, yeah, there's just classic one-liners. And uh, yeah, while watching this one, it kind of struck me that we've been talking about Serenity being this 10th character. And uh, yeah, we finally get a Serenity one-liner in this one, wherein Simon's on the planet kind of talking about how, you know, they're not going to leave us. You know, Serenity wouldn't just up and, and then it turns around and Serenity's leaving. And, uh, yeah, Serenity's engines are kind of the one-liner of, oh, they left. Right. <laughs> and, and uh, uh, I mean, this is one of those episodes that really is setting the stage for what to come because we get one of our better inklings of River's psychic abilities in this episode, but we also get a bit of an, an insight, a glimpse into what Book might be because they eventually decide the only way to fix him is to go to an Alliance ship because they have the up, up-to-date medical care. So they go there to, and Alliance people are basically like, we're not a medical facility, we're not going to help you and you know, know that there's probably some fugitives around in a Firefly ship, they could be in a lot of trouble. Book says, check my ident card. They do, as soon as they check that, off he goes, get the best possible care, they fix him up, no problem, no questions asked. Except by Malcolm, because he's like, what? Lots of questions asked by the crew. Yeah, and none of them are answered. We, we don't get any knowledge of what book is. It, he, all he says is, it's a story I might tell sometime. In episode, and he says, I'm, I'm a shepherd. People like religious... And just say, no, they don't. Yeah. No, they don't like religious people. Religious people make you all feel judged, according yeah. to Malcolm Reynolds. So it, it's interesting. Yeah, unfortunately, 
that's all we get really from books past. There's again more sort of hints that hang on, what why do you know this? Why do you know that? Unfortunately, you know, this is probably something we would have got in season two or three. Obligatory, thank you, Fox Monan. If you do want to know about Shepherd Books Past, there is a graphic novel released by Dark Horse, which kind of, it, I'm pretty sure it's called The Shepherd's Tale off the top of my head, uh, which gives you kind of the background for what Shepherd Book was about. And he started off as a petty thief, basically, and joined up with the Independents, killed a guy, took over the sort of, not Shepherd Book moniker, but took over the, the guy's name and became a double agent working under the alliance but really working with the independence then goes and basically helps the independence score one of the biggest victories they ever have over the alliance and he gets dishonorably discharged as a result after that is when he sort of finds his faith and becomes a shepherd as such but that's kind of where he's able to board the alliance ship now we don't know why someone who's dishonorably discharged can then go and get uh, alliance care with no problem they probably don't really want to reveal that they had a massive screw up and a double agent uh, but it is Unfortunately, we don't get to see that, but it does create some great mystery in this episode across the board with Shep. It does, it does. And, um, you know, while all this is going on, you know, we've got all these questions being asked. Back down on the planet, we've got Simon uh, looking after all these people, and there's this little girl that's uh, walking around and, and she doesn't speak. There's a, a nurse, like, lady. Ruby doesn't in, talk. Ruby doesn't talk. Nobody knows why she doesn't speak and she won't talk to anybody. And uh, we have this little moment where River just turns around and, and says her mother went crazy, killed father and siblings, and she saw it all. You know, the, the nurse goes, that, that's right, you know, how, how did you get Ruby to talk? River just kind of turns around and goes, well, Ruby, she doesn't talk? Like, yeah. quite simple. Ruby doesn't but, talk. It's like, like, and, and you sort of see that moment of horror on the nurse's face when she realises, oh, we're not dealing with someone who's worked a miracle and helped Ruby talk. We're dealing with, in her mind... A witch. A witch. Which is where the Salem sort of yeah, yeah. mention comes about. And so they sort of take River out. They're going to burn her at the stake because she's a witch. And the caretaker of the town kind of comes along and River basically makes it known that he killed the old caretaker, to which he then replies, this witch is, has insight and spitting falsehoods, which is kind of a you know, oxymoron because it's like, well, which way are you going Yeah, here? which one was it? Was she right or was she spitting falsehoods? Yeah. Like? Um, but, yeah, you know, the, the townsfolk listen, they tire up, they're going to burn her. At this stage, Serenity is nowhere to be seen. Uh, looks like it's going to be the end for Simon and River, and then their angels arrive. Or more specifically, Jane with a big gun on the top of Serenity. And this also gives us one of the best lines in the series. Uh, yeah, Mal and Zoe come, yeah, they're on the ground and they're walking along. And Fears the guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just... And then really, if there's anything to describe the crew of Serenity, in our eyes, in the eyes of the audience, it's big damn heroes. Big damn heroes. Yeah. And so they save Simon and River. Uh, Mal proudly proclaims River as their witch. Um, and they go off happy as can be. And we get a great little moment with Simon and uh, Malcolm at the end there, where he's kind of saying, why did you come back for us? You don't like us. You know, we're fugitives. We're going to make life difficult for you. To which Mal simply replies, you're part of my crew. Which, again, is one of those great little lines that Firefly's filled with them. Great little one-liners. Malcolm delivers another one. Fun little episode, really. Mm. Like, for, for finding out a lot about someone you didn't know anything about, which was Simon and River. But um, it does raise a lot more questions, especially with Book. Yeah, it's, it's one of those episodes that is clearly setting up for future episodes if they've got multiple seasons. Um, but as it is, it is still a fun episode. Uh, again, not necessarily one of my favourites. It's one that I've sort of become begun to appreciate more and more as I've watched it more and more. 
Um, I think of the four we're doing today, this is probably my least favourite. Um, yeah. Shindig would probably be my third. Yeah, I mean, safe. It, it is my least favourite of the four as well, but it's really more speaking to the quality of yeah. the four episodes. And, I mean, this marks the moment where, for me, like, the next three or four episodes, and we're not covering all of them today, but the next three or four episodes uh, are pretty much the, the... It's a good run. It's the peak of the series, in my opinion. Um, and the next episode in that, the first one that starts out, is quite simply Our Mrs. Reynolds, um, which if you watched the previous episode uh, of our One Up Culture Cast, you'll know this is one of my favourites, if not my absolute favourite episode. Uh, if you don't remember it, uh, basically an unexpected reward for an unpaid job, Malcolm finds himself married to a naive, subservient young woman named Saffron. The crew are amused at his discomfort and Book lectures him on propriety, but things are not as smoothly straightforward as they thought them to be. Uh, this is, as we were talking about, different episodes have different themes. This kind of is basically a romantic comedy <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. But what makes this my favourite episode is the interplay between the characters. Because everyone gets a line or two, which really is just hilarious, uh, sets the scene, sets the character beautifully. All of, Really, the only character who doesn't get a line is River, and we'll cover that in a little bit. Uh, but everyone else says something that I crack up with. Um, you know, whether As do I. Whether it's Jane offering to trade a, a woman for a gun, um, but not just any gun, the gun, Vera. You get the Wash and uh, Zoe dynamic as their married couple. You get Kaylee Bay kind of with that innocence, kind of you know thinking everything must be going right. And when you know Malcolm re- basically rejects the marriage, she's offended. You get book special hell, and you get Anara <laughs> dealing with this um, confusion as like I-, I like Malcolm, but I don't. What is he doing with this woman? And and then, of course, you get Saffron, who is played by Christina Hendricks, who is a fantastic actress, um, and just nails the role of Saffron brilliantly. Uh, if you've seen her in Mad Men or anything like that, this is a very different role for her to what we're used to. But at the same time, it's not. Um, for the first half of the uh, series, basically, you get her as this kind of, as it is, a naive, kind of, you know, confused girl, just doing what... Basically, her planet's custom is, you know, she gets, you know, looking to get married. She marries this person who's saved the town and uh, just trying to do the right thing by her future husband, um, to which Malcolm is confused and trying to tell her, you know, the right things. But at the same time, you know, it is Christina Hendricks, uh, to which, you know, Booker kind of notices a little bit and threatens about the special hell. Uh, The episode, of course, starts with them on kind of like a horse and carriage again sort of setting the western theme and we get malcolm in a dress um because zoe had to be in the back yeah um just a brilliant brilliant little scene again and this is sort of where this the the issue with saffron begins because they're getting a little bit drunk uh you know jane and mal don't really remember what goes on but they're just having a bit of fun jane gets a rain stick which he likes at the time yeah then kind of feels ripped off when he sees that malcolm got a a a wife out of wife Um, yeah and, and it kind of raises the question, a lot of you are probably asking, how do you get tricked into marrying someone? Because, you know, you'd think you'd kind of notice that. And uh, oddly enough, it's not just that he's super drunk. It's that he just didn't realise that's what was happening. Yeah. Uh, so during this opening scene, we have a bit of a montage of frivolity and festivities happening. And there's wreaths going around the place and food and drink and dance. And as Trent just mentioned, uh, Jane gets his rain stick. He's quite quite chuffed about, um, and we see uh, uh, Saffron. She puts a, a wreath on top of uh, of Malcolm Reynolds' head uh, during this, and 
that was it. That, and that and was drinks of drinks of the wine, and they have a dance, and that's basically how you get married in this particular settlement. Um, to which book informs Malcolm afterward. He does a bit of research and uh, explains to him. To which Malcolm simply says, "What's it saying there about divorce?" Which gets everyone, you know, up in arms. Saffron runs off, uh, dis- you know, sad and crying. Kaylee just has that look on her face, like, "What is wrong with you, Captain?" Uh, Anara's offended as well, uh, and the others just are having a ball with the situation. Absolutely loving yeah. it. Yeah, I mentioned everyone gets lines except for River in this one. Uh, River literally doesn't speak in this entire episode. Uh, she was, she did have a deleted scene, uh, which unfortunately got cut due to time restraints if you do want to see it i'm pretty sure it's on the dvd but it's also up on youtube if you want to find it uh, it's an absolutely hilarious scene if you love firefly check it out because basically uh river's seeing all this marriage situation you know you marry for love all that and goes up to shepherd book and simply says can you marry simon and i she loves him and he lo- he loves her and in her mind that's what marriage is and yeah simon's trying to explain to her that brothers and sisters don't do that on some planets they do, but they're terrible planets. And it's a it's a brilliant scene. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's setting the characters. We also see River's psychicness sort of come into play because he she calls Saffron out as being a thief, and Saffron kind of plays it off. Oh, I've got this you know little bit of food. She didn't know when she'd be dropped off, and yeah, you know, when she could get a chance to eat. And River goes, "I didn't see you steal anything," but it's alluding as to. Uh, Saffron's true nature yeah. and the scene finishes off with River putting a pillow in her sort of shirt around her stomach and sort of saying we have to now in- indicating that you know, her and Simon are pregnant it's, it, it's hilarious it's awkward like you, you know sort of the awkward how Simon must be feeling uh, it's yeah it's moments like this um, not even though it's not in the show you can tell what Firefly was all about and this yeah. mix of comedy and drama and action and just weed and just now so much of it and we, we didn't mention my favourite one-liner mm-hmm. by Wash. Yeah. Some people juggle geese. Some people do juggle Some geese. Some people do um, juggle geese. He finds himself saying this a lot when he gets in trouble with his wife because there's only so far that the joke can go before Zoe starts to uh, question where Wash is because <laughs> Wash is seeing, you know, sort of during this stage, Malcolm is being fed by his wife even though he's like, no, 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 you don't need to feed me. She makes him food and apparently it's quite delicious. And washes there, kind of gawking at the, you know, the food being made. And you know, Zoe's not what you would call a housewife. Uh, she's very much kind of wearing the pants of the relationship. And she's seeing how Wash is sort of beginning to react to how Malcolm's being treated by his wife, and sort of puts her foot down on any uh, further joking frivolity. It's again, sort of establishing their relationship. But we do see that Wash is first and foremost a devoted husband. Yes. Because uh, at some point, Saffron shows her true colours. Yeah, she uh, tries to seduce everyone mm. and take over the ship. And succeeds with at least once, in the case of Malcolm. Um, yeah, He comes down to his room, sees Saffron naked, and he struggles to get any words out. Saffron basically convinces him that even though you know, they're not to be wed, let her have her uh, we- uh, wedding night. And they kiss, and it turns out that she's got a little something on her lips... Uh, called as the goodnight kiss as Simon refers to it later Malcolm drops down unconscious and then we see Saffron basically at work yeah and uh, then after this she goes to see Wash who as we've said before is the pilot so mm. he's uh, flying the ship and he doesn't fall for it no. good old Wash doesn't doesn't fall for any of her seduction tactics and what does she, what does he get as a result of not falling from he gets smacked in the back of the head that's what he gets yeah. roundhouse kick yeah <laughs> 
Chuck Norris would be proud of this kick. Would yeah. yeah. Um, Wash goes down, uh, and Saffron sort of basically uh, sets the ship up so that it can't move. Yeah. And we then find out that she's working in conjunction with a couple of guys working an electric net. The idea is that they're going to kill everyone on board and sell serenity, uh, sell serenity for parts and a ship, basically easy money. Mm. Um, and um, the first person to kind of realise that she's working, you know, f- against them, you know, is uh, is Anara. Actually, mm. we have this, this nice little scene where Anara kind of runs into her across the the walkways in the cargo bay, and um, Saffron tries to seduce Anara. And we kind of have this little back and forth until eventually they both kind of break their character and go, you're good. You're really good. You know, they were both trying to uh, play each other. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a nice little that, that little scene where Nara recognises that. Yeah. It, it, again, it sort of establishes their characters, a little bit of back and forth, trying to outwit the other person. And really, you know, Saffron fails to seduce or, you know, win against uh, Anara. But she has a trump card, being an unconscious Malcolm Reynolds. Yep. Um, <laughs> and so Anara runs off to try and help her. Saffron escapes. Uh, and so the crew are basically trying to save themselves at this point. Anara's trying to save Malcolm. Doesn't go well because she kisses him. Was it try to, uh, trying to do CPR or is she just trying to... Is she just thankful that he's alive? It's not really revealed. I think it's the latter. I think it was the um, latter. And you know, she kisses him, realises that there's a little something on his lips thanks to Saffron. And she goes down as well. Yeah. So that's three people knocked out by Saffron. Um, one inadvertent, one with a foot, one with some lips. And really, it's Jane who saves the day with, with his offer of bartership, Vera, the uh, very special gun that he has, the one that he cares for and looks after and it would was... probably take to the movies if he ever got the opportunity. So basically, has a better relationship than either one of us. Anyways, so, you know, Vera saves the day, shoots through the uh, astronaut's helmet, basically, and, uh, yeah, disables disables the electric net, um, to which Book knows quite a lot about. Yeah. Jane's kind of like, how, how do you know about so that? Much. Yeah. Book, just being Book, kind of shrugs it off. Um, Book gets some really good stuff in he this. He does get some really yeah. good stuff. Yeah, I, I mentioned the special hell, which... They reserve a special kind of hell for you. <laughs> yeah, for child molesters and people who talk in the theatre. And I agree. As a, a, you know, it is in the Bible. Check it. I'm not going to give you the verse. You're going to have to read it to find out, but check it. Okay. Yeah, no, I'll, I will believe you yeah. and will not read it. Is that okay? Is that, is that acceptable? Yeah, we'll, if I just we'll believe. That. Isn't it all about belief? you got to have faith. Just move, just move before we start singing George Michael. <laughs> well, I've already embarrassed myself enough on this episode. Uh, and yeah, at the end of the day, we get uh, you know Malcolm finds Saffron. They get their you know, little shuttle back. A little bit of back and forth. Uh, Malcolm gets the better of her in the end. Uh, I mean, this is... I've said it before, I'll say it again. I love this episode. It's consistently humorous. It's got a nice little twist in it. Uh, everything just kind of meshes together. Everyone has a witty line. Yeah, it, it is... Basically, like, if you had to describe the series, Firefly, I think this is a good episode to sort of demonstrate it because you get a little bit of everything. You get a little bit of that kind of space western theme. You get kind of the drama. You get the the banter. You get the characters in full force. And Um, you get the comedy, which is really mm. important through Firefly. Uh, That that comedy is really kind of... And it does make for a very easy watch. This is uh, probably pound for pound my favourite episode in the season. Where would you kind of rank it? Two. Two? And yeah. I believe we'll be getting to number one next episode. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Next yeah. episode we'll be getting to to number two. Actually, no. So I think our Mrs. Reynolds is 
three. Three? And it's, we're getting to number and two And we're getting next. to my number two next. What yeah. is number two? Uh, my number two on favourite lists of Firefly and episodes is... my number three, is, incidentally. Yeah, our number one, two, and three are the exact same. They just... Interchanged. Interchanged around. Yeah. Yeah, so this is my number two. His number three is called Janestown. And really, there's only one way to describe this particular episode in a nutshell. Um, and I'm not going to say or sing um, anything. Can we please get some more singing? No, no. Well, we can get some more singing, just not from me. Okay, fine. I'll just put I'll just put it in here. James, the man they call James. He robbed from the rich and he gave to the poor. Stood up to the man and he gave him what for. Our love for him now ain't hard to explain. The hero of Canton. And that pretty much sums up the entire episode, that song. Yeah, so that is why one of the reasons why people love this episode. Uh, what Jane's Town is, is basically they're returning to a planet where Jane ran into some serious trouble years ago. And he's become a bit of a folk legend, but he doesn't know why. Uh, so Malcolm decides to use this uh, as a distraction, basically, while they complete a job. Um, but things don't really go smoothly because of Jane's history as well. Drama ensues. Um, yeah, this is... A- Sorry, a, a sad question. Are every one of these synopsis going to end or synopsi? Synops, yeah, we'll go synopsis. I like synopsi. Synopsi. Um, are they all going to end in drama ensues? Only if drama does indeed ensue. Um, all right, so seeing as this is like a sci-fi drama series, probably going to be some drama ensuing. Uh, do you have an issue with this? Because if you do, drama may ensue. No, I'm cool with it. Okay, so uh, this is one of the Jane-centric episodes, not just because it's titled Janestown, but you get so much of his character and... He becomes, it's funny because he's sort of, he's unlikable, but he's very sympathetic in this episode. And you, you see kind of that moral, I guess a moral dilemma for him because basically, you know, the reason he's a folk hero in this town is because he dropped the whole stack of money on the mutters, the sort of lowest yeah. of the low. And they sort of, ooh, free money, great. And sort of gave him a rallying hero to go behind. The reason he dropped that money was because his hovercraft got shot down, basically. And the only reason he could get away was to lose as much weight on that ship as possible. So he gets rid of the money. But before he gets rid of the money, he gets rid of something less important. Another human being. His partner, yeah. Yeah, he throws his partner off board and the partner gets, you know, trapped. He looks like he got beat up a bit on the landing, as you'd imagine, falling out of a hovercraft. Lost an eye. Yeah. So when Jane returns and the, uh, the mayor, I guess, finds out about this, he lets the guy free. Uh, after four years of being stuck in a little hot kinda, box, yeah, kind of a hot thing. box as it's called, yeah, and so he has a bit of a vendetta. Um, Jane's drunk because by this stage Jane is full on folk hero mode, and they're offering him the best whiskey in the house, to which Jane is not gonna say no to. Uh, he finds a lady who is particularly enamored with the man they call Jane, and this really is—it's a funny, it's a fantastic episode. The only detraction you could say about this, and it's not a not a huge one especially when you're talking about a series but it is apparent this probably has the least to do with the overarching narrative of the firefly series yeah if you were going to skip an episode you could skip this one uh you wouldn't want to because it is one of the most entertaining and it it is the most jane centric oddly enough because it's called jane's yeah it gives him a lot of character development so yes it doesn't have a big overarching narrative but when you're trying to develop jane as a character you really have to have this episode Plus, it's just hilarious. It is, yeah. It's just yeah. a hilarious episode. Um, and Simon gets a victory. Finally, it's gets not, a victory. Well, near, kind of a half kind victory. Of, yeah, he, yeah. He says that Kaylee's 
pretty pretty. Mm. And she is pretty pretty. She is pretty pretty. But for someone with his uh, level of education, he probably could have thought of a... I mean, he's drunk at the time. He's mm. on what, what they call mutter's milk, which yeah. is just like a combination of alcohol and bread. And, and actually, Simon makes a little reference to Earth That Was, so our Earth, that uh, yeah, it's very similar to the concoction that they used to give to the slaves in Egypt. So uh, yeah, it was kind of, kind of nice that, yeah, they, the Earth That Was is is kind of a reference every now and again in the verse. Yeah, and unfortunately for Simon, when he wakes up in the morning and doesn't have the power of alcohol to guide him, uh, he kind of makes the mistake of saying, oh, no, I wouldn't sleep with Kaylee. And it's the way he says it that Kaylee Bay is kind of like, okay, that's your true colours. I, th- I think she prefers drunk Simon at this stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he's forced to grab breakfast and he gets sort of kidnapped by the murderous partner of Jane. While all this is going on, by the way, Anara's off in her ship. She's uh, oh yeah, Anara's doing stuff. Yeah, she's companioning. Um, she's been invited to help, basically, the mayor's son lose his virginity. Um, to put he's it bluntly, twenty six, and he's still not yet a man. Yeah, and so basically, you know, Anara's there to look after him. Uh, the mayor's very, you know, you can kind of tell he's stuck in his ways and just wants her to get it over and done with. Uh, but she's got her companion ways; they go about it a certain way. Uh, while they're doing that, Anara basically realises that this folk hero is the person on the ship, Jane. He, she first thinks it's Malcolm and tries to defend him, and then it's like, oh, Jane. And kind of talks to him about maybe helping helping them out, because the ship is landlocked. So Serenity can't get away. And, you know, the mayor has a reason to deal with Jane. Yeah, he's um, got a personal vendetta against him. Yeah. Um, and this, something that this episode does really well. Uh, and you see it in both of the main and sort of secondary story arcs, is basically the uselessness of symbols. You've got Jane, who's a symbol to these sort of mutters, you know, a folk hero, someone who's done so much. And then, basically, he's not what the built him up to be. He's not a hero. He did what he had to do to yeah, survive. Yeah, I mean, he gets there and he's a false idol. He's uh, got a, his own statue that the mutters have made and they've got this whole story and, and song about him, about, you know, this folklore this fantastic you know, Robin Hood character where the truth is he was just stealing money for himself and couldn't keep it. Yeah, and then you've got Anara with the son, basically. And the son feels, and the father as well, feels that he can't be a man until he's lost his virginity. And then you've got that sort of moment afterwards when, you know, the, I guess, completed what he was there for. And he kind of says, I don't feel any different. And really, his step into becoming a man wasn't the symbolic losing of the virginity, but basically standing up to his father yeah. and, you know, releasing the ship from the landlock. N- Nara has this nice little speech with him that, you know, sex doth not make the man. Yeah. Um, so. so, I mean, you get those that sort of, the symbol of, uh, you know, the symbol of not mattering. There's also another little moment on the ship uh, with Shepherd and River, and River's basically tearing pages out of the Bible because to her it doesn't make sense. She's and, fixing it. Yeah, in her eyes, she's fixing it. And again, that can be looked at as sort of this as sort of symbols not mattering either because Chef is trying to explain that it's not necessarily everything in the book that has to make sense, but it's the concept of faith. Um, and that's, again, this is one of the reasons why I love this episode. It's not just because it's hilarious, but there is actually a bit of meaning yeah. interspared across all two and a half story arcs in this episode. And we get to see... Shepherd books hair out. Yes, which is a scary um, sight. I yeah. mean, we mentioned that Bushwhacked was a thriller episode. Book with his hair out is a horror yeah, moment. Yeah, it's dead scary. Yeah, scary, scary um, stuff. Scares River right away. It scares and, me right away. Yeah, um, Zoe finds it hilarious though. But apparently, his uh, order doesn't allow the cutting of hair. 
you know, there, there are orders out there. It seems to be if you're going to do anything with hair, you either got to grow it out or you just got to cut it straight yeah, off. Yeah, it's got to um, be bald or lots of it. Yeah, you, you can't be too stylish with your hair in these kind of uh, fictional faiths and some real ones as well. So that, that really is Jamestown. Again, it's a hilarious episode. Yeah, you know, We both love it. It is one of those episodes that doesn't have too much connection, but it is still ranked with most people. Like if you look at a list of Firefly's best episodes, this one is almost always top three. You know, our Mrs. Reynolds is generally high up there, not always a top three. Uh, the next episode that we'll be covering, which won't be this week, um, but it is another popular one. Which is Ariel, which was yeah. my number one. Yeah, and, and it's my number two, actually. Mm. So we've covered four episodes this time. Uh, next time, uh, part three of this Firefly review, we are doing another four episodes. Those are Out of Gas, Ariel, War Stories, and Trash, which I think two of these episodes weren't shown in the original run of Firefly because thank you, Fox. Fox. And also, thank you guys for listening. This is going to be part two. We're halfway through the series, basically. The, yeah, um, the first season. Yeah, uh, and I think we're going to review the movie. Yeah, we're going to do the movie as a sort of a separate episode as well as just kind of bringing a close to this uh, in-depth discussion yeah. review. Yeah, these four episodes are all really good. None of them I sort of look at and go, oh, I don't want to watch that when I'm going through my near, not even annual, I tend to watch the series twice a year minimum. But every yes. time I come to Firefly, I'm like, oh, I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. Our Mrs. Reynolds. Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. And then, of course, Jamestown. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you can, you can see going through these episodes why Firefly was as popular as it was because at this stage they've really gotten in a group of their storytelling and their character development. Yeah, they've got the, the stories going through and, and they've got multiple stories going on at once and it's never confusing, which is the really important part. Every episode has one to three characters that it is centralised around. And then the rest of the characters have their own stories off to the side, which still kind of move the overall story moving forward. And then you've got that kind of central theme for each episode. Yeah, they, they do a really good job of, of doing so without you know, making it too much. You know, making yeah, it kind exactly. of hard to follow what's going on and all these little soap opera things. Hmm. It's um, that They, yeah, they utilise the well. 40 minutes they get each week in this stage yeah. they really do work out what needs to be in what doesn't need to be in so that is part two uh we've got three more parts left two more related to the season then one of the movie uh if you want to make sure you're keeping up to date with these uh, the release schedule as well as the uh, weekly articles i release every monday on popular culture be sure to check us out on twitter quite simply at one up culture uh, also be sure to find uh, one up culture on wordpress so just google us and you'll find it as well uh, you have anything final to say or no, no no just wanted to thank you and remind you that no one can take the sky from you no exactly 